It's Tuesday, June the 23rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump clamps down on work visas and Wirecard says 1.9 billion euros may not exist. First, the world in brief. The Trump administration extended sweeping restrictions on foreigners working in America through the end of the year. The suspension of the green card immigration system, as well as visas like the famous H-1B, may affect around 550,000 aspirants, from highly skilled programmers to seasonal employees, though many agricultural and healthcare jobs are exempted. The order argued that visa programs during the COVID-induced economic contraction pose an unusual threat to the employment of American workers. Businesses reacted with general horror. Wirecard's board announced that the 1.9 billion euros, 2.1 billion dollars reported missing from its balance sheet last week probably does not exist. The German fintech firm sought to shake up the payments processing business. It is now struggling to cope with debts coming due at the end of June. Cost-cutting, restructuring and the sale of some business units or worse may be in the offing. The standoff between the European Central Bank and Germany's constitutional court over the legality of quantitative easing could be resolved this week. The German finance minister declared the dispute was about to be settled without drama. In May, the country's highest court issued a shock ruling on the EU's quantitative easing programme, throwing the bloc's entire legal order into peril. The Bank of England should reverse its quantitative easing asset purchases before raising interest rates, according to Andrew Bailey, the central bank's recently appointed governor. This signals a shift in policy. Over the past decade, the central bank had planned to raise interest rates before reversing its asset purchases. The switch is likely to mean rates will remain low for longer. Apple announced that it will start using its own chips in its Mac computers. The firm has been using processors designed by Intel since 2006. Apple's in-house chipmaker, ARM, already provides processors for iPhones and iPads. It hopes the switch will make Macs run faster, improve battery life and help developers produce apps to run across all of its computers. TripAdvisor said travel demand is improving now that many countries are easing border restrictions. Even so, the review and booking website said it expects revenues in June to be about 20% of the level recorded in the same period last year. Meanwhile, Disney announced it will reopen four of its theme parks in Florida. And archaeologists discovered a giant ring of prehistoric shafts near Stonehenge offering new clues into the history of one of Britain's most famous landmarks. The large pits in a circle 1.2 miles, 2 kilometres wide, date back 4,500 years to the same period as Stonehenge and may have served as a boundary to a sacred area. And now, here's today's agenda. The Book Where It Happened, Bolton's Memoirs. John Bolton's memoir, The Room Where It Happened, goes on sale officially today, despite Donald Trump's efforts to prevent it. On Saturday, a federal judge denied the Justice Department's request to block publication on national security grounds, noting that 200,000 copies had already gone to booksellers. 
Mr. Bolton, Mr. Trump's national security adviser for 18 months, portrays his former boss as incurious, ill-informed, once asking whether Finland is part of Russia, and indifferent, if not hostile, to democratic values. He asked Xi Jinping, China's president, to help him get re-elected and told him to go ahead with building concentration camps for Uyghurs, a mainly Muslim ethnic group of whom one million or more are estimated to have been detained without trial. Mr Trump has called Mr Bolton a liar. Though the judge declined to block the book, he noted that Mr Bolton probably published classified materials, gambled with national security and may well face civil and criminal lawsuits. Four years on, Brexit since June 2016. Today marks the fourth anniversary of David Cameron's referendum on European Union membership. The Prime Minister hoped Britons would choose to remain in the EU, but they voted by 52% to 48% to leave, triggering his resignation. Delivering Brexit has proved tortuous. Mr Cameron's successor, Theresa May, was forced out as Prime Minister after repeatedly failing to win parliamentary approval for the withdrawal agreement she had negotiated in Brussels. She was replaced by Boris Johnson, who after winning December's election did push through his withdrawal treaty. Thus, Britain formally left the EU on January 31st, though until December 31st is in a transition period with few substantial changes. Mr Johnson is now engaged in tricky negotiations with the EU over future trade relations. Many analysts fret that the outcome could be no deal, meaning that tariff and non-tariff barriers would impede trade between Britain and its largest export market. Green Strings, the EU's recovery package. The EU's Environment Council meets via video link today for the first time since March. High on the agenda will be the green strings attached to the bloc's fiscal stimulus plan. In May, the European Commission proposed a package putting the environment at the centre of recovery efforts. The €750 billion, Euro, $824 billion fund almost doubles the EU's budget for 2021-27 to to €1.8 trillion. Euros. A quarter of that is earmarked for climate-related spending such as renewable energy projects and investments in electric vehicle infrastructure. One pot of €40 billion Euros will be spent on shifting carbon-intensive regions such as coal mining towns away from fossil fuels. To gain access to the money, member states will have to show that their investments will not hinder the Commission's green goals. The plan needs the nod from all 27 EU members. An agreement is expected next month. According to one credible analysis, if the plan is approved, it will be the world's greenest Covid recovery package. Meeting in cyberspace, China, India and Russia Today, the foreign ministers of China, India and Russia will fire up their video conferencing software and hold a virtual meeting. The timing is awkward. Last week, Chinese and Indian soldiers clashed at their boundary in the Ladakh region, resulting in the death of 20 Indian soldiers and unknown Chinese casualties. The two sides blame each other for the incident, which occurred amid a wider military standoff over their disputed border. Russia hopes to play peacemaker, but also wants the trio to discuss greater cooperation as well as post-pandemic economic, political and financial trends. The three countries are part of the BRICS Forum, which also includes Brazil and South Africa, as well as the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, a Chinese-convened pact of eight Eurasian countries. 
But India's close diplomatic and military ties to Russia, forged in the Cold War, may be fading as India increasingly tilts towards America and Russia towards China. Second time lucky, Malawi's election. Many Malawians thought they would never have the chance to go to the polls today. In May 2019, President Peter Mutarika declared victory in an election widely seen as rigged. Liberal streaks of Tipex correction fluid were found on the papers with voting tallies. In many African countries, that would not matter. Even though elections have become more common on the continent, incumbents still frequently rig votes. But in Malawi, a poor country of 18 million people, citizens rebelled. Protesters took to the streets, the opposition alliance took its case to the constitutional court, and for only the second time in African history, judges nullified the election. Mr Mutarika has tried to delay his reckoning, but against all odds, it is going ahead. Polls say Lazarus Chakwera, head of the opposition Malawi Congress Party, will win. If he does so, it will be a victory for democracy, not just for Malawi, but for the whole of Africa. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Alan Turing, who was born on this day in 1912. We can only see a short distance ahead, but we can see plenty there that needs to be done. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 